Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting his kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Today's message is, You Are Worthy. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. We've, we've been, you know, kind of uh, since Easter, uh, we've been kind of obviously taking that theme and, and resurrection, um, the idea of, of finding new life, of uh, Christ overcoming sin and death, what, all that, what, what does that mean and what does that mean for us? Um, the last couple weeks, uh, we've kind of talked about how the, the resurrection uh, and whenever we really think about the cross and what it's uh, uh, representing, it's kind of his nonsense, right? And that we talked about you know, whenever the women uh, came and they found the tomb in, uh, empty and they went back and they told the disciples that, hey, that we've been told that he's risen. You know, that the disciples said, um, we don't really believe you because it sounds like nonsense, which it would. That, that doesn't make sense. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how, no, you know what? It, it does make sense. It is something that historically it actually happened. That it uh, makes a, uh, that we, we don't have to set aside our intellectual thinking to believe that the resurrection actually happened. Um, we, can, we can believe that because it did. Last week we talked about how um, many times we take a lot of the power away from the cross because we don't like talking about sin. We don't like talking about the reason for the cross. The reason the cross had to happen uh, was because of sin. Um, and, and many times, we, we kind of consider that nonsense. And, and so we talked about making sure we understand um, what sin does. And, and, you know, last week, if you didn't, didn't have a chance to, to hear it, that was probably, um, for me, uh, I'm not a hellfire brimstone pastor, right? I, someday, I, one of these days I need to do that. I need to just come and just start yelling. And uh, I don't know if I could do it with a straight face the whole time, but, but I, I could try but, uh, but last week, it, it was a sin-heavy uh, sermon because I think it's so important. Our, our tendency, because we don't like talking about sin, is to only focus on the love of God, right? And that's, that's wonderful. The love of God is great, and, and, uh, and it's a very real thing. But we're never going to fully understand the love of God unless we understand sin. And we're also going to continue to, uh, to struggle with the effects of sin if we don't understand sin, right? And, uh, and so that's why God wants us to, to take sin seriously, is he wants us to be able to, to live the life he created us to live. And if we're stuck in sin, we're never going to experience that. And uh, so we talked about that last week. And that leads us today to one of the stories in the, in the Bible that is one of my favorites, and it's going to be in John chapter 21 here in just a minute. Um, but, you know, I was thinking, of course, this week in, in preparation, you know, I knew it was Mother's Day. And, uh, and so that always, you know, p- comes in. And, and again, I, I do want to, to stress, we do understand this is, a, this is a difficult day. You know, there's lots of emotions that go in to, to Mother's Day. Uh, and I experience some of those, you know, in, in our family, uh, Molly's mom has passed away. And so we, you know, and, and then with my mom, we're celebrating her life, but also she's been going through cancer for the last you know, a few years, it's just all kinds of emotions, right? And so you find yourself start thinking about all of that. And, uh, and so I was, I was thinking about my mom. And one thing that, uh, from the time that I can remember, 
she would say something to the effect that you're all, you'll always be my baby, right? And, uh, and, and I can remember whenever I was like eight or nine years old, I remember her specifically saying that. And I was like, what are you talking about? My brother is here. He is a baby, right? I am not your baby anymore, right? I'm getting older. You know, you need to start treating me as a man, you know, at, at nine years old. I was a very manly nine-year-old. And, and, and it, was, it was just funny because I didn't, I didn't really understand what she was saying at that time, right? And I can specifically remember when I graduated from high school, you know, her telling me, now, you're always going to be my baby. And I started at that point to kind of understand what she said, but you never really understand um, until, until you become a parent. You know, you can get glimpses of it in, in, other, in other ways, and you can kind of empathize with it. But until you become a parent, then you really realize, okay, now I know what she was saying, right? And I think to try to sum it up, it's hard to sum something like that up, right? You know, but whenever, and especially there is something special about that, that uh, relationship between a mom and her child, especially right after the delivery. I mean, because the mom has carried this child for nine months, there is a different dynamic than, than, than a father has. Um, and and I, can, I, I think about my mom, you know, looking at each one of us. And if you've done it, you know. And you, you're looking at that child, and there, there is the physical aspects that you're, you know, you're just looking, you're looking at the eyes, you know, the, the head, and you're just kind of taking it all in. But you really, you're looking at that child, and what you see is you see God's creation, this precious gift that God has given to you. And when you're looking at that child, you're seeing all the potential in the world, right? And you, you're seeing them as this perfect little being that has, that has been created to do amazing things, right? And you see that and you're so hopeful and you're, you, you know, man, there's the, the potential is limitless for this child. And this is my baby, Right? And, and as parents and as, and as moms, you know, usually they, they, are, they are more that way even as the child starts growing up. They see them and they see them for the potential that they can be. Now, as good parents, this doesn't mean that we just completely excuse all behavior of kids, right? <laughs> because that, that's not what this is saying at all. But what it is is it's looking at the child and saying, you know what? Even if they've done things that are, that are horrible and things that they shouldn't have done and that they're going to be living with the consequences forever, even then I can look at them and I can still see the potential of who they are. And I can still see the purpose that God can have for them no matter what they've done. And so when my mom is saying that, that you'll always be my baby, that's what she's ultimately talking about. And you know, and I think that that's how God looks at us. God looks at us as his child. And he looks at us as a person who was created to live for him and created and has all kinds of potential to make a difference in the world for him. And whenever he looks at us, that's what he sees. Now, he also understands there's a lot of other things there. right? He understands that we may choose to go a completely different way. And there's going to be consequences for that. But at, the, but at his heart, when he sees us, he sees us 
as a parent, knowing, hey, there's always the potential, right? And, and sometimes we just ride it out, <laughs> right? Just wait another year, maybe they'll wake up, right? But he always looks at us that way, and he always loves us that way. And this passage that we're going to read kind of brings that out. I want to go ahead and read it first, and then we'll talk about it. And it's uh, John chapter 21. And, uh, and again, this is, uh, this is after, you know, probably a couple of weeks now after Jesus has risen from the dead. Uh, so the disciples have seen Jesus. But it's kind of interesting. We don't get the, the feeling um, in Scripture that Jesus rose from the dead and then came back and hung out with the disciples 24-7. Right? That's not, that's not really what, what happened. He would come and he would teach and then he would leave. I mean, it was, it was kind of a, a different dynamic. That relationship was already starting to change, right? Because Jesus knew that he was going to be leaving pretty soon. And, uh, and so uh, this is clearly a, a few weeks after, and the disciples are still kind of trying to figure out, hey, what's going on? What, what does this mean? <laughs> right? Where is our future? The, the, now they know that Jesus did rise from the dead. That's great. Well, now what? So John chapter 21 says, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known. Nathaniel from Cana, and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and, going and, and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was him. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, the disciple whom Jesus loved is John. If you're the author, you can put any kind of adjective with your name. It's a pretty good one. Says, uh, he said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, uh, say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciple followed him to the boat, uh, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they had landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 but even so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of, the, uh, of his disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. All right. So this is a, a wonderful story, and we, we kind of need to, to kind of get in the head of, of Peter and the disciples so that we can kind of see what's really happening here, what's really going on. 
So the disciples uh, and Peter, Peter has been the leader, kind of the, the de facto leader at, at points, uh, part of it because of his personality, part of it because he was passionate about who Jesus was. Um, but, but Peter wasn't always the greatest leader, right? He was very rough around the edges, as all of us are in certain areas. And, and so uh, he, he's, a, he's the leader. Um, the disciples, they're all hanging out together. Um, and they're in this kind of awkward phase of trying to figure out what's next. Where do we go from here? Right? Something that probably all of us can relate to. Um, right? We've been at those places in our life and, and at different times in our life. And it's not just you know one time, but trying to figure out, okay, what's my life going to look like? What am I going to do? What's my job going to be? What's my family going to look, out, look like? What, you know, what, where do I go from here? Trying to find our purpose. And that's a challenge. Right? And we know the emotional uh, tension that that can cause. And so the disciples are kind of doing it. Okay, what does this mean now for us? But Peter also has something else. He also knows that he has just recently failed the Lord pretty significantly. He was asked three specific times, do you know Jesus whenever Jesus was arrested? And he denied, him, denied it all three times. I mean, here's the right-hand man of Jesus that's supposed to have Jesus' back, that has been willing to do so, wanted that position, right? And here he is failing to even acknowledge that he knows him when the things, things get tough. Right? And so I, I, I picture Peter, he's really struggling. He's struggling, what do I do now? And he's also feeling, I'm sure, a whole lot of guilt. Am I worthy? Right? Am I even worthy of this? Not only what am I supposed to do, but am I worthy to even do anything? I think those are questions that we can have, and that we struggle with. You know, and I love, I love this story because it's just so real. There's so many details in there that just, you know, it's like they were 100 yards off the shore. They caught 153 fish. Uh, Peter took, put his outer garment on because he had taken it off, right? I mean, it, you just get the feeling, okay, man, they, they remember the details of this story, right? Because, because this was a, a, a powerful story. And, uh, and I, I view it like this. I view this is how the conversation must have go must have gone They're They're sitting there talking about, uh, you know, talking about, Hey, you know, it's really pretty cool. Jesus rose from the dead. That's really awesome. And now what do we do? And they're debating, Hey, what do we do from here? Where do we go? And, and Peter is probably starting to feel really bad because he doesn't know what to do. And he's really guilty. And I don't know if you've ever been at that spot where you just kind of feel overwhelmed with life. And so what you choose to do is you're like, okay, I'm going to go do something that I just know how to do, and that I know is going to relieve some stress, right? And for them, it was fishing, right? They knew how to do that, right? And so this was their, hey, we're just going to get out, get out, do what we're comfortable doing. But it's funny because what happens? They get out there and they can't even do that well, right? That's like if you, if, if you're, and I've heard that there are people that running is therapeutic for them. That's kind of strange. I, you know, you're, that, but I have heard, and I've actually heard that it's a very, actually a very good therapeutic thing, not enough to where I've tried it, but, you know, and, but imagine that you're just overwhelmed with life, you're just, you're wondering, where do I go from here, what's going on, and you're like, I just, I'm just going to go run, because that, that always clears my head, 
So you get your shoes on, you get ready, you drive up to the track, and then it just starts pouring and lightning and rain. And you're like, I can't even get out to run. Life is just collapsing on me, right? Have you ever experienced that where you're like, okay, I'm at my wits end, I'm going to go do this, and then that falls through. And you're like, I'm done, right? I'm, I'm it. I get a feeling that Peter is kind of experiencing some of that. He doesn't know exactly what the next steps are, and deep down, you know it's eating at him that he wasn't able to stand up for Jesus when Jesus needed it. Which is why I think he reacted the way that he did. Why would you want to swim 100 yards? Right? No one wants to do that, but he was so excited because they were so frustrated that they couldn't catch anything, and Jesus shows up and he says, hey, throw it on the other side. And then they just catch this unbelievable amount of fish. And, uh, and they start pulling. I love this, the image here. They're all pulling this, these fish in, right? And then, uh, and then John says, oh, man, that's, that is Jesus. And Peter, he's like, I'm out. Right? Have you ever been carrying something really heavy with someone and they just let go without you knowing? You hate that guy. You really don't like that guy. So, so, and that's who, who Peter was. He was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going, I've got to go see Jesus. And so he swims ashore, and here Jesus is. And this is a, such a cool image, because whenever we're in that place where we're confused about where we're going, about what we're supposed to be doing, about whether we're worth it, we feel like life is just spinning so fast, right? What is Jesus doing? He was sitting on the beach cooking fish. What a peaceful scene that is. And contrast that with what goes on in our life so often, right? Man, when you're struggling, struggling to find your purpose and where you're going, know that Jesus is just right there, calm, collected, and he has the answers and he's inviting you to come and sit down by him. Peter does. Peter goes, they eat together, and then Jesus starts talking to Peter. And just imagine what, what must have been going on. What an unbelievable conversation. You know, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Well, that first time, you know, that's, that's a common thing. We say that all the time without even really thinking about what it really means. And Peter's like, yeah, sure, I love you. Then Jesus says, Peter, look at me. You know, my mom would grab my face, you know, look at me, look at me. Do you love me? Right? And, it, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a pretty bold question, right? And so Peter's like, yes, Lord, of course I love you. And then Jesus, for a third time, says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter gets, you know, he's like, why would he say this? Of course I love you. But don't you know, I, I have no doubt that it started to click in Peter's head. It's like three times I was asked, do you know Jesus? And I said, no. And Jesus says three times, do you love me? And he's given me the opportunity to come back to him. He's telling me I am still worth it. Right? He's saying, yes, you are worth it. Right? It doesn't matter what you have done. Right? And that is something that we all struggle with whenever we're trying to figure out what am I going to do? What is God's calling in my life? All of those questions. One of the things that we always ask is, am I worth it? The answer is yes, you are. 
Now, that doesn't mean that you may not have done some stuff that you need to overcome and that you need to work through, right? But that's what Jesus is doing with Peter. He's giving him the opportunity right there to work out those issues. And he's reminding Peter, hey, I love you. Even though you've denied me, even though you weren't there when I needed you, I still love you, and I want you to still love me. And I want you to still engage with me. Don't think that I'm pushing you away. Right? And then he also, Jesus also gives the answer of what he wants us to do. Now, we don't like this answer. Because whenever the question comes, what are you going to do with your life? How are you going to serve God in your life? What we want is we want a bullet step-by-step diagram of, okay, here's what's going to happen. Here's where you're going to go to school. This is what you're going to graduate with. This is the job you're going to have. This is when you're going to get married. This is how many children you're going to have. You know, this, this is you know, where you're going to live. And, uh, and then in the midst of that, here's how you're going to serve God. We want it all laid out for us, right? Here's the reality. Jesus never fully laid it out for the disciples, right? You would think, because of the way that we think, because Jesus, what he was saying is he said to his disciples, hey, I'm going to leave this all to you. You're going to start the church. We would think that he would have handed them a piece of paper that said, step one, create leadership team. Step two, Make sure coffee and donuts available every Sunday. <laughs> Step three, secure a building. You know, all these things that we think about when we're trying to think about doing a church. Jesus didn't do any of that. There, and there's, it's clear throughout Scripture because we still debate how to organize a church, right? And we all want to take a biblical model of, of how to organize a church. Well, there are numerous models in the New Testament about how churches worked. So clearly Jesus never said, this is how you have a deacon board or you have an elder board or you have a... No, none of that. We would rather that be the case, but that's never been how God has really worked. And and so when we're kind of all up in arms about, okay, God, what do you want me to do? You know, where do you want me to go? You know, we're wanting this specific list. He's like, no, no, no. Here, here's what you need to do. He says to Peter, follow me. That's the overarching one. He says, follow me. What does he mean by that? He means that you actually take serious your relationship with God. That means you learn more about him. You learn how he lived his life, and you start trying to implement that in your life. Right? How often do we, uh, do we start getting frustrated with life Right? And, and we're like, God, what, man, I just need things to change. I need things to get better. And then if we start thinking about it, and, and maybe we start thinking, you know, I probably need to change this relationship in my life. Or maybe I need to, to move away from this person. Or I need to change this behavior. We don't like that all of a sudden. Right? No, wait, wait. No, I don't want to change. I just want, God, you to fix everything. Right? And whenever Jesus is saying, follow me, what he's saying is, man, start living your life the way I created you to live it, which means you may have to change some things, and it's not easy. But if we're ever going to find our purpose and and how we're going to, to live our life in Christ, the first step is that we truly have to decide to follow him. We have to be willing to do that. And that's hard. 
And again, it all goes back. Remember, he is patient with us. You are worthy to do this. He knows you're not going to do it perfectly. But we've got to at least start that direction. And then the next thing he says is feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Right? What's he, what he's saying there is that you need, uh, for Peter, it was a, there was going to be even more specific. He was going to be the head of the church. But that, that calling is for all of us. Pay attention to the people around you. Live out your faith in a way that makes a difference to the sheep. Right? Maybe God's going to call you to be in a place of leadership. Maybe. Maybe not. But you still have sheep that you are going to influence. That's just people. That's the people in your life. And, and so often we think, that we have to have a certain job or be in a certain profession in order for us to serve God and to fulfill His purpose in our life. No, that's not it at all. You can do it where you are right now, whatever your job is, no matter how secular you feel your job is. Right? You can start living out God's purpose in your life because it starts by following Him and then being aware of the people around you. And when God opens doors for you to share your faith and to share what God has done, be willing to take that. We, we overcomplicate things so much. Sometimes we just need to step back. And remember, in the chaos of Peter's life, here Jesus was cooking him fish on the beach. And he just wanted Peter to come and hang out with him for a little bit so that he could remind Peter, I love you. Now go and follow me, right? I know you've screwed up. So what? Let's start again. Follow me. Feed my sheep, right? I encourage you. Don't get so wrapped up into trying to figure out exactly what your purpose is going to be, right? How that's going to look, right? Because we, we want details, I encourage you to just start taking that first step. Say, you know what? I'm going to follow you. I'm going to start looking at my life. What are the things I need to change? What are the things I need to do more of? Right? Because I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to start looking at other people as people that God loves just like he loves me. And so I want to be able to share with them the love of Christ given the opportunity. Right? That's what it means to follow God and to start living out your purpose and your potential. And you know, we, we want this list of here's what you do, here's how it's going to look. But the reality is, is there is beauty found in the not knowing and working it all out. Right? It is invaluable sometimes the time that you spend trying to figure out, okay, how, how, what is this going to look like in my life? And God gives you the freedom to, to work on that. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. As long as you're following him, striving to feed his sheep, it can look all kinds of different ways, and that's okay. And it may change over time. Right? I never thought that I would be a pastor. Right? And then all of a sudden I'm in seminary. Sure never thought I'd go there. Right? And then I'm a pastor. I never thought I would be a church planter. Even after becoming a pastor, 
Why would you want to start another one of these places? Right? But, but in our struggle, and there were times that we struggled. We said, God, is this really what you want us to do? What, what is it? What are we supposed to be doing? And we found ourselves in this wonderful place. And it is so beautiful to see. And it would, there were struggles. And there were times that we felt like we were out in that boat like Peter. But we always knew that God was on the beach just cooking fish, saying, hey, when it's getting too much, just come on in. And I'll remind you, it's not even about success or failure. It's about following him and feeding his sheep. And that's the call in your life, too. And that's where you will find fulfillment in life. That's where you will find what your purpose truly is. And it has no connection with your job, where you live, bank account, any of that stuff. You can find that purpose no matter what you do, even if you change jobs, <laughs> even in the chaos of life. Know that Jesus is there saying, you're worthy. Let's start living the life that I created you to live. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.